Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome. Well, we're so glad that you're with us. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're in the series called This Changes Everything, and uh, it's been a series all about how when Jesus died on the cross, it changed everything for us. It, 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 it gave us a whole new perspective on life, gave us a whole new opportunity in life, and if we'll recognize those opportunities, then, man, God will do some absolutely incredible things in our lives. And there's a verse that I was looking at this week in John chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, that I think really describes the essence of what uh, the cross was all about and what Easter was all about, where we started this series. And it says this, it says, from the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And, and really, this verse is describing the, the very essence and the very heart and the very nature of God. And that is that, man, God is love. And how God expresses that love is through his grace and through his truth that is always uh, present, that is always available to us. And if it says, man, because of the fullness of his grace, man, the overflowing of who he is and what he is all about Man, we get to receive all of these blessings that God has for us. We get to receive all of these things in our lives. And so today we're going to be looking at a guy out of Mark chapter 14 in your Bibles. If you want to turn there, that would be awesome. We're going to be talking a little bit about that before we do. Um, yesterday we had a great opportunity as a church. There was a whole bunch of us that went out and ran in a, a 5K for a great organization called 4Kids. If you don't know what 4Kids is... It's a, it's a foster care organization that's here locally. It started out of Calvary Chapel, uh, Fort Lauderdale. Great program, do, taking care of thousands of kids throughout Broward County, also Palm Beach County and Miami-Dade County, just doing some absolutely incredible things. And so we're getting ready to do, to do a 5K, and um, I'm kind of a competitive person. And so a girl in our church decided, like, we're going to put together a team uh, to run. And so I was like, great, man, I'm going to go recruit people to be a part of this team because it'll be lots of fun to compete with other people. Particularly, I went and tried to find the most unhealthy people possible to run in this race because I wanted to win. Anybody else out there with me? You're like, I want to look good. So, you know, I got to find people that are going to be slower than me. That's, that's one of the key objectives. And so the problem was is that the only people that wanted to run were in shape. And so, like, that kind of messed up my agenda there, but I was like, I don't care. I'm competitive. Like, I want to win this thing. And so I started thinking about, like, what would be a really, really good time to run. I didn't start training. I just said, I started thinking about it. And so, like, I started, I, I decided, like, I want to run uh, a 5K, which is 3.1 miles in 28 minutes. And I thought, man, that, that seems doable. That's like a nine-minute and something mile. That, 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 that seems pretty feasible. And I started talking to people, and they're like, that's not very feasible. But I didn't really care. And so, and so I, I found a, a girl that's actually the, the wife of our drummer here, Brett. Her name is Crystal, and, I, and she's pretty fast. And I said, Crystal, can, do you think that we can do this? And she said, anything's possible, which really didn't give me much hope. Um, like, I thought it was kind of messed up. Can anybody agree with that? Like, just, that's like false hope right there. That's messed up. And so I was like, well, I can do all things through Christ. You know, I'm a, you're like Philippians, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim it with you, okay? And so um, she's like, I'll set the time because I have the cool stuff, the wristwatches and the, the iPods that do all that stuff, and we'll run. And I'm like, perfect. And so uh, we started off, and we're running, and there's a big group of us, and, and like, Two girls take off way ahead, and I'm like, I'm probably never going to catch them. And I'm like, as long as I beat the majority, that's all that matters, you know. Uh, num numbers matter to me. And, and so we start running, 
And like, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm a pretty self-confident person, which can be to my detriment. And so that first mile, like, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. We've passed a ton of people. I'm like, those jokers are slow. Like this, I'm a little bit ahead of Crystal because I, I'm trying to kind of set the pace. And, but we get to that first mile, and they always have like a timer there. And so it says like 10 minutes and 2 seconds. I'm like, we're not on a very good pace. And Crystal looks at me, and she's like, goes, we have to pick up the pace. And so she kind of nudges ahead and starts running. And, and so... And I'm running with her, and but at this time, because I haven't done much training, um, it, I'm, I'm not quite running at the pace that I would like to be. My legs are starting to hurt. You guys ever feel that way? Um, and, and so we get to the second mile, and it says that we made it. We're there in like 20 minutes and like 30 seconds, and she's like, bro, we're going to have to truck this last mile. That means a seven-minute and 30-second pace on the third mile plus a point one. And, and, and she's like, we're picking up the pace, and she hit some things on her iPod. I have no idea what she was doing. And all of a sudden, she starts moving, going faster. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not like, I, in my mind, I'm right there with her, but my legs just weren't following. They were like stuck in the motion before, and, and breaths are starting to get really, really heavy. Like, <gasps> you know that? Like, you, you know you're not doing well when that breath starts coming like that. And so I'm chewing gum because I know when I chew on it, it gives me some, some like sugar and that gives me a rush of energy. Well, I'm breathing so hard, my gum goes flying out and I'm like, oh man, the thing that was keeping me going is gone now. Now I'm like, where is hardcore rap on my iPod? I need something that's motivating or something. I, I, like I'm struggling and Crystal just starts pacing away and I'm like, Crystal, come back. And I'm running as hard as I can. And Crystal finishes like two minutes ahead of me. Um, but all that matters, I don't know why I told that story other than the fact that I beat my wife. That's all that matters in the race. I am the champion of our home at 5Ks. And so that's two in a row that I beat her. If you want to let her know that I'm the champion of that, that would be awesome. I would really appreciate it. But I, I, lo I love winning. Like, I, like there's some, that's fullness to me. Like I feel full at that moment. And, and part of the problem that, that I, I see in this, I don't really know what that has to do with anything. I just really want to tell you guys that I beat my wife. So um, <laughs> I just wanted to, to get that out on the web and on the internet that, that I'm the champion of our home and running. But um, today we're looking at a guy named Peter who, who was a guy that, that most people would look at and would say he was pretty much a champion in life, man. This is a guy that, that built the church. But what we're going to see from Peter's life in, in, in Mark chapter 14 is that while Peter was in a lot of proximity, was in close proximity to Jesus, he was doing a lot of things with Jesus that sometimes we can be near to something, but we can totally miss out on what God wants to do in our lives in those moments. And, and I think some of the reason that happened is because of some of the attitudes that we start to take on in our lives, and, and I have the, the, the propensity to do this, and, and some of those attitudes that, that seem to hinder us in our walk with Jesus uh, are, are self-confidence. I mean, self-confidence is one of those things that hinders a lot of us in life. That's why in Mark 14, 29, Jesus is telling all of his disciples about, about what's about to happen in his life, and, and Peter responds in that moment, he says, he says, if even if everyone else deserts you, he's like, Jesus, listen, Listen, if everybody else leaves you, he says, man, I never will. He's like, bro, I got your back. Like, no matter what happens, I'm with you. And I think one of the problems in, in our Christian faith and our walk with God is there are times that we become overconfident in ourselves. Not overconfident in God, overconfident in ourselves. And what happens is we start believing that we can do it on our own, that we're gonna not going to need anybody else. And we start looking around and we're facing circumstances and we're facing problems. We say, God, I don't really need you in this circumstances. Man, I've got this one. Why don't you go over and help that guy over there who doesn't really have it all together? It looks like he needs a little bit more help because I've got this situation 
under control. And what I found is that when I start to take that mantra in life, bad things start to happen. In fact, a couple years ago, there was, an, there was a, a place called Rockatown in Pompano Beach. It was this youth center that some churches came together to start. And uh, before long, it just became like this really, really big concert venue. And so they were having all these big concerts and, and kind of like the Jesus aspect of it kind of went away. And so they were doing this really, really big hardcore show. They were bringing in all these big headliner bands. And I was talking to the board members one day, and I said, man, you know what, guys? We need to, we need to bring Jesus back into this thing. What do we say if we, like, preach to these youth when they come in for this big show? And they're like, that is a great idea. Why don't you do it? And I'm like, man, I got this. I talk to people all the time. I, I can talk to some snotty-nosed brats that are high schoolers. You know, like, I, I'm, like I'll dominate that venue and and one of the guys goes are you sure like you're gonna be okay talking to them I mean you're and, and he goes to our church he's like you're great at talking to adults but are you sure you can talk to these youth I mean they're crazy like you don't understand what this music is and I, I really didn't when when I heard hardcore music I, I thought like like they just sung really loud this is what hardcore music sounds like it sounds like <laughs> And every kid in that auditorium is singing right along with that, like they know those words. I'm like, y'all don't know what you're saying. You're just going, like, and you think that you're right along with them. And so, like, the first couple of shows go, uh, acts go, and, and, like, kids are going crazy. Everybody's in their goth outfits. You know, they got, like, the, everything's black, and, and they're really pale because they've never gone in the sun, and it's awesome. And, um, and so... It comes to a time where we're going to do that, and so I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I've gotten some skateboards donated from some skate shops, and I went up. I started giving away skateboards. Kids are going crazy. Like, they think that, like, I am the greatest thing in the world because I'm giving away skateboards. And, and, and so I'm like, man, I've got this. They're eating out of my hand. Like, I'm going to dominate them with the gospel right here. They're going to find Jesus. They're all going to get saved, and they're not even going to want to listen to the next band. They're all going to repent for screaming out things that they don't even know what they're saying. And so... It's going to be awesome. And, and, and so that happens. And, it, and the band's name, I've been working on this name all week because I cannot say it. It is this big, hardcore band named Enter uh, Shikari. And I, I've got it figured out now. Like, yeah, somebody knows what it is. Like, Enter Shikari. Like, big deal uh, if you're into that, not understanding anything they're saying. Like, it's awesome. Um, and so, like, I get up there and I go, hey, are you all ready for Enter Shakira? Now, if you don't know who Shakira is, Shakira is a Latin pop star. And, uh, like, Latin pop stars and hardcore music, they, they don't intersect at all. Like, they're not, it's not like they're on the playlist next to each other in most of those kids' homes. And so, uh, right away, kids start booing me, and I'm like, oh, crap. I'm like, I need to turn this around. I'm like, I hate Shakira. And they're like, they're just booing it even more. Like, I could not pull this off. I told the best stories I knew how to tell. They kept booing me. Like, I think people like hated Jesus at the end of it. Like I became so self-confident in the moment, I thought I was gonna just be able to do it on my own. And I crashed and burned. And uh, Proverbs has something to say about that. In Proverbs 16, 18, it says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Problem was for me that day was, was my ego was really, really big. I thought, man, I got this on my own. And, and what ego really is, is it's really us edging God out. And what happens a lot of times in our lives is we become so self-confident in ourselves is that we start edging God out of our life. We start pushing him out and saying, God, I've got this aspect. Why don't you go take care of that? Why don't you go take care of that person? Why don't you go take care of this? But I've got this. 
I think another attitude that sometimes we embrace, that, that Peter embraced, was this attitude of, of laziness. And, and here's the thing, is that Jesus uh, never promised his disciples that following him was going to be easy. And he never promised us that. I know that there's this idea in Christianity that like once you accept Jesus, everything is rainbows and butterflies. It's just not that. It's not that. In fact, Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. Whoa, that's not a gospel that's preached very much. Like he said, listen, crap's gonna happen in your life. Like there's gonna be some, some difficult moments that are gonna happen. But he said, take courage for I've overcome the world. Like there's still hope in the midst of all that. And what happens for a lot of us is it's really easy to give up and quit too soon before we experience the fullness of God's blessing in our lives. And we miss out on the grace of God and what Jesus did on the cross because we give up before we can ever really truly experience everything that he wants to do in our lives. And in the very next scene of what's happening here in Mark chapter 14 is that Jesus goes uh, out and he prays and he brings some of his really, really close disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. And he says, listen, I need you all to pray with me. Like, I need some boys that have got my back. Peter, you just, you just said, like, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I got your back if everybody else dismisses you. Like, I'm with you. And so they go and they pray. And Jesus comes back and he finds them asleep. And then he goes and he prays some more. He wakes them up. Says, come on, guys, pray with me. And fall asleep again. And in the third time in verse 37, it says, then Jesus returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. There's a couple words that I want you to see in that verse, if, you, if you'll just leave that verse up on the screen. The first one is this, this idea of keep watch. What he's saying is he's saying, listen, stay alert. Stay alert. Keep your head in the game. Like, you got to pay attention to what's happening around you. And, and you know this to be true, especially dads or husbands. If you've ever gone road tripping, ever, any dad ever gone road tripping, any, any husband ever gone road tripping, what do you do on a good road trip? You start late at night, right? Because everybody's off the road. And so the first thing you do is you go to the convenience store. You get some, some, some Skittles, some, you get some beef jerky, you get some Red Bull, like three or four of those, you get a Mountain Dew, and then you grab some sunflower seeds, right? And you start off, you down the Mountain Dew, you throw down some Skittles, and you chase it with the Red Bull, and then you spit out seeds for the rest of the night. Like, that's the agenda right there. And like, you go on that sugar rush, and like, you're, you're wide-eyed for like three hours, you're like, you're like, you're shaking because you got so much energy. But about four in the morning, those eyelids start to get heavy, don't they? Oh, yeah. Somebody else has been there with me. You know, like you're, and everybody else is asleep. They're in la-la land. They're having sweet dreams. You know, they're, they're, they're living it up. But like all of a sudden, your eyes are getting heavy. And you're, you know, you're rubbing them in. You're like, come on, stay awake. You're slapping yourself in the face. You're doing whatever it takes. And, but you start, you start, you, I'll just close them for a second. Come on, we've all said it, right? I'll just close them for a second. You close your eyes, and the next thing you on those, those things. Like, those things are from the devil, I swear. <laughs> Everybody wakes up in your car, and they're freaking out. You're like, I got that. I'm good. I'm good. Ten minutes later, you're falling asleep again. Why? Because it's hard to stay alert. Like, how do we do that in our Christian life? Like, how do we, how do we stay alert? And he gives us the secret of that right here. He says, Watch and pray. 
Let me give you a little English lesson right here because he's using the present participle. He's saying, watch, don't just look. But he's saying, keep on watching, like continually watch. And then he says, pray, but don't just like pray once. Keep on praying, like it's a continual thing. So you gotta keep on watching and you gotta keep on praying. That's how you're gonna not fall into temptation, but you're gonna stay alert in life. Because then he says like, listen, because there's a propensity for us to fall into temptation. And we think, oh, like we just fall off the edge of the cliff. Like I've never met anybody in this life that fell into an affair. Like nobody just woke up and said like, I don't know how I got here and how I slept with her. Like nobody ever fell into an addiction. Like I just, one day I was a raging alcoholic. That isn't how it works. It's gradual. It's a little bit, we start, we start slipping up a little bit here. We start moving a little bit closer. We start moving a little bit closer. We start going a little bit further. And before long, we're all the way to the edge. And he's saying, man, if we keep watch, if we keep praying, then we won't sway over there. We won't ever veer off in those moments. But our problem is, is that we're sleeping in life when we should be praying. And when we should be sleeping, we're watching TV and we're surfing the web. And we're wondering why we keep struggling in life with the same things over and over and over again because we're not changing any of our behavior. And Jesus isn't about behavior modification. He's about changing our heart, which means that like, we should be seeking after him and we should be pursuing him. And, and what we think is that by just showing up at church on Sunday for an hour, like, that it's going to sustain our spiritual life. And like, that's a great theory, but it's not practical. Like, what's going to sustain your spiritual life is you getting into this book and seeking after God day after day. Because listen, like, this book doesn't automatically, like, you don't get its information by it sitting on your coffee table. Like, it just doesn't transfer to you by that. This doesn't work through osmosis. It doesn't permeate out of here and permeate into you without you getting into it. And it's your responsibility to grow. The church's responsibility is to equip you to grow. The church's responsibility is to encourage you to grow. The church's responsibility is to go, like, man, like, you should grow. But at the end of the day, that's a physical decision that you have to make to seek after God. Listen, I'm going to do it every day on my own, but I can't do it for you. It's our thing, and we can't become lazy in the pursuit of God. And then for others of us, our attitude about following Christ is, is, is man, I'm going to follow Jesus when it's convenient. It's the convenience factor. And we all want to have faith, but we want to have that comfortable faith. We want to have that faith when it's convenient for us. Like when it's a really nice day like today, like we want to go to the beach instead of going after Jesus. It's why, honestly, our, our attendance can go from 600 one weekend to 250 the next and we can, we can almost attribute it every single time, like the weather was this way, or the weather was that way, or there was some sort of big event in Fort Lauderdale, or there was some sort of race, and people have made the priority something else, because that's what's convenient for them. Mark 14, 54 says this, Peter followed him at a distance. This is after Jesus has been taken by the Roman centurions, and he's bringing, being brought before Pilate. And he said he followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. And this is such an amazing scene to me because here is Peter, this guy that said, like, Jesus, I'll never abandon you. Like, I'm confident in our relationship. Like, I'm with you all the way. And here he is following where Jesus is going at a distance 
But not only is he following Jesus where he's going at a distance, he's hanging out with the same guys that just took the guy that he said he loved with all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his mind and all of his strength. And he's hanging out with them, and he's warming himself with them. And, and this is what I, what I discovered in this, is that if you enjoy the world's campfire, you're eventually going to get burned by that fire. Like, that fire is going to hurt your life because you're living out a lifestyle that's based on what's convenient for you rather than what you're committed to. It's what happens a lot of times in marriage. Like, you love marriage when it's convenient. But when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of commitment, it's why we have a super high divorce rate in our society. Because it's not convenient when it gets a little bit tougher. And so the commitment goes out the window. And I've been in ministry for over 15 years now, and I've watched people that are fired up for Jesus one month. You'll never see them again six months later. Because it's a convenient Christianity. And I know a lot about convenience. I'll, I like convenience, too. I'm not going to lie. I, sh- I struggle with this. Uh, I struggle with this particularly when it comes to my health. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, we had a guy in our church. His name was Larry. And uh, he had opened up a CrossFit gym here in Parkland um, that actually some people that uh, now go to our church be- because we met at that CrossFit gym way back in the day. And uh, he invited me to go work out one one Sunday after church, like the next week, and I was like, man, that'd be awesome, and you know, I'm that overconfident person, like I was an athlete, uh, I, I had the opportunity to play college football, and, and I thought like, I was an athlete 10 years ago, there's no problem, I'll walk out there and still dominate everybody today, anybody else have that same kind of perception of themselves, like I'm a legend in my own mind, like I know I look like a supermodel right now, but really there's a tub of goo underneath here, I promise, and so, and so like, I'm like, Larry, I'll take you up of that, and so I showed up to a six o'clock CrossFit, like type class and they were doing like this this circuit that day where they were flipping tires and they were slamming sledgehammers onto tires they were doing like prx or trx I don't, something with rx in it with like these bands i don't know what they were called i was just like i know what you're talking about because i was just trying to exude confidence even though i had no clue they're doing deadlifts they're they're like picking up 50 pound buckets of concrete and running like who the heck does that and who thought of that like that's a sick person right there okay uh, <laughs> And so, so like, there's all these people, and then there's this guy, and, and so, and so he like puts me up with this guy, and he's like, this guy knows what he's doing. He'll make sure you don't get hurt. And I'm like, get hurt? Like, have you seen? Like, I'm an athlete, bro. Like, I got this. And so we start going, and we start off on the sledgehammer thing, and I'm like, this is awesome. And it's like minute intervals, and I'm slamming away, and I'm like, I'm doing good, but at the end of it, I can't move my arms. I'm like. Like the, the sledge is getting lower and lower until finally it's just kind of like sitting there on the tire. And then like we move over and they strap this thing on you, run with tires with weights in it. I'm like, who thought of it? Like tires are supposed to roll, not drag. And so like I'm running back and forth. Like this is not going, my legs are burning. Uh, we go to this PRX, TR, whatever thing. We're doing like fly push-up things. And then we're getting, I see two tires. And I see this little girl who happens to be sitting in our auditorium today. And she is flipping this tire like it's nobody's business. There's a little tire and there's a big tire. And she's got this little, I said little, it's still big, okay? Like it's, it's a big like, like monster truck, like hauling 400 yards of dirt kind of tire um, that none of us would be able to put on our cars. And she's flipping this thing like crazy. And I'm like, if that girl can do that, and she's like four foot nothing, a hundred nothing, there's no doubt that I can go do that as well. And so we get to the tire section. He's like ready to go for a minute. And I walk over to the girl tire because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to hurt myself. And the guy looks at me and goes, that's the girl tire, bro. You got to do the man tire. I'm like, I hate you. And uh, 
And so I start, I flip it once, and he's like, come on, come on, like yelling at you, like that, yelling at me is not inspiring me, let me just tell you that, like you yelling at me, like it just, it, it hurts my heart, okay, okay. <laughs> and so like, I'm flipping, I'm dying, and before long, it's right next to the, the grass, I start throwing up everywhere. And I see this lady look at me. I don't even know if she remembers this or not, but she just looks at me and she kind of shakes her head and walks off. And I was like, that girl just, just sold me out. She just looked at me and said, like, you're a wuss, bro. And, uh, and so I go home defeated that night and, and I'm trying to get some sympathy from my wife, which I get none. Um, and so that's really encouraging. And Larry calls me up and he goes, hey man, is, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, man, that was, that was great. I'm trying to be really positive about it. He's like, I noticed that you threw up. I said, did you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I said, I didn't really stick wrong, around long afterwards because I had stanky breath, you know, and I didn't want to so, give that to anybody else after the throw up. And uh, he's like, well, you should come back tomorrow. And I, I, said, I said, Larry, there ain't no way in hell I'm ever coming back to your gym. <laughs> Especially after that girl saw me throw up everywhere. <laughs> And uh, then my wife looked at me and goes, you're a quitter. And I go, no, it's just not convenient for me. And she goes, we don't live by convenience. We live by commitment. And uh, so I started showing up there every week. I think the problem is, is that a lot of times we're, we're living by convenience rather than commitment. We're saying we can't when we should be saying we can. And this is what I know about life. Every successful person isn't successful because they achieve success because it was convenient for them. They achieve success because they were committed to doing whatever it takes. And what Jesus asks of every single one of us is that we would be willing to do whatever it takes to follow him, that we would not hold anything back. But the good news about that is, is that no matter how bad our life is right now, no matter how far we've strayed, no matter how far off we've gotten like Peter in this moment, God's grace works best when we're at our worst. My life before the accident was a huge struggle. Um, I had a lot of problems with really severe depression and anxiety, um, which led to me having a battle with self-harm. I had a lot of suicidal thoughts. I just didn't really feel like I had any worth or a purpose at all. Um, I felt very insignificant like I didn't really matter in the world and it wouldn't really be a problem if I took my life I did end up attempting suicide in June of 2013 which was only a few months before my accident on October 23rd 2013 me and a friend were driving home from school we were at a intersection and she was turning left, but she didn't realize that she had to yield to the traffic on the other side of the road. So she just went and a truck hit the passenger side where I was sitting. The next thing I remember was waking up in the ambulance and I was really scared because I didn't know what was going on. I wasn't in any pain, but I had no memory of what had just happened. My liver was lacerated and I had lost two liters of blood. Um, I was in the surgical intensive care unit for 22 days. I had had um, a broken neck. Um, I should have pretty much suffocated as soon as it broke. Um, and if I didn't die, I should have at least been paralyzed. 
Um, I also had broken ribs and a broken pelvis and a punctured lung. I had seven surgeries. Um, I was in a coma for five days. After I was out of the intensive care unit, I was still in the hospital for a couple more weeks. One of the nurses from the intensive care unit came to visit me um, and she had told me a story that I don't remember happening, but she said that the first day that I came in, she saw cuts on my legs and asked me about it and she told me that I began to tell her about how they were self-inflicted and how I had been struggling a lot with being suicidal and dealing with a lot of depression. Um, and as I was telling, as she was telling me this, she said that she knew that the accident was going to change my life. She said that even when I was in such a dark place when I first came in, she could still see light in me and she knew that like I had purpose and she told me even though I felt sometimes I didn't have any purpose, if that were true there's no way that I would have made it through everything because countless times in that month I should have died and if I didn't have a reason to be alive I wouldn't have made it through all of that. The accident changed everything for me. Uh, it really had a huge impact on my life. Um, it just, it completely changed my outlook. It made me a much more positive person. It made me realize that I had strength that I never knew that I had before. Um, and it made me realize that I've always had this strength. I just never really utilized it like I should have. I don't really struggle with the things that I used to before. I don't have any problem with self-harm anymore. Um, I do get discouraged sometimes, like everybody, but I'm nowhere near in the dark state of depression that I was before the accident. I had a lot of doubts about God and about, and about Christianity and about what I believed, but He literally had his hand over me when I was in the accident. Like, there is no way that I could have gotten through that without God. It was, no matter what anybody says, it was God that got me through that. And um, the accident just like opened my eyes to that in a way that I don't think would have been possible before. And um, it's just really um, completely changed my perspective and shown me that I do have a purpose and that God has a great plan for me, which I always knew in the back of my mind, but I never really accepted it or believed it. But since the accident, I just have no doubts that I'm gonna go very far in my life and I have a huge purpose um, and God is just gonna take me great places. love Megan's story. Megan's a teenager here at our church, and, uh, you know, she went through a lot, and I think she said some things that are pretty relevant, I think, to a lot of us in the fact that she struggled a lot in her faith of whether this was 
all true or not and whether God was really real and evident. Because I think a lot of us, we, we have those things. I, I know there's seasons in my life where I'm like, is this really true? I mean, did, did what Jesus really did, is it really going to have that significant impact on my life? And can it really transform my life? I know I hear all these things at church. I know I've been told by other people that this has happened to them. But can this really, really happen to me? And the thing that I love about God and I love about Megan's story, and I think that is really, really evident in Peter's story, is that they... God always gives second chances. God is this God that is always giving us a second chance. Just like Megan is now getting this second chance on life and where the doctors were pretty much like, I remember when we got the phone call, they're like, we don't think she's going to live throughout the night. Like, she's probably going to pass tonight because we don't know if we can stabilize her enough to where she'll ever walk, where she'll be able to breathe on her own. Like, she might be gone. And seeing God give her a second chance. In Mark 16, 7, it, this is what was happening with Peter. It says, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. See, the thing that we miss out about God is that God is this God of compassion. God is this God of grace. God is this loving God that is constantly looking for an opportunity to pour out those things on our life if we'll just look for them. And he loves you more than you could ever think. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. Our problem is a lot of times we have a hard time accepting that love. It just sounds too good to be true. And it sounds like that's not even possible. I mean, this God would have to be so reliable and we just look at God and we see him as unreliable. I mean, if we're really honest, we look at him and we think like, if God is so reliable, then why would a bad thing ever happen to me? I mean, I've said that to myself. Like, if God is so reliable, why would something bad happen to me? But this is what I know about every parent that's out there, is that you love your kids so much. And you don't ever want anything bad to ever happen to them. Like, you do everything within your power to protect them. But what happens, even in the midst of you setting up boundaries, putting in protection systems and stuff, they get hurt, don't they? Even in the midst of all that, it doesn't negate the love that you have for them. It doesn't negate how reliable you are. Like, you're right there. You're waiting for them. Like, you want to help them. But sometimes things happen. But what do kids do when they get hurt when they're little? They run right back to their parents, don't they? And I think that's the thing that God has always been trying to instill in us is that no matter what's happening in our lives, no matter how bad it happens, no matter what situation we're going through, if we'll just realize that he gives a second chance and we can just run right back to him, he's right there with open arms saying, like, come to me. I understand exactly what you're going through, man, and I'm here to love you and I'm here to pour out everything you need. That's why in Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16, it says, for our high priest talking about Jesus is able to understand our weaknesses. He's saying, listen, he understands exactly what we're going through because he faced the same kind of hurt. He faced the same kind of pain. He faced the same emotions that we deal with on a daily basis. It says he was tempted in every way that we are and he did not sin. And here's the cool part. It says, let us then feel very sure that we can come before God's throne where there is grace. There we can receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. He's saying, listen, whenever you need it, all you gotta do is run to him. And he's always there giving us a second chance. If we'll just return to him. 
See, that's the problem. A lot of us feel like we can't return to God because of what we've done in our past or what has happened to us. And we think if, if, we, if anybody else knew how bad we really were and what really goes on in our minds or what actions we take in our life, there's no way that other people would accept us, let alone God. There's no way that God would accept me where I am. I gotta get my life cleaned up before I can ever come to him. And God's just saying, no, 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 no. Just come to me. It's okay. You don't have to have your pieces put together. That's my job to put your pieces together. You just come with the brokenness of your life because we're just one step away from God all he says is if we'll draw near to him he's right there with us and here's Peter all of this has happened to Jesus and Jesus is gone and he's back to his old lifestyle hanging out with his old friends he's back in the fishing business hanging out with other fishermen and all of a sudden he gets word about Jesus and Jesus gives him this second chance and this is his response to that second chance in John 21, verse 7, it said, Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he jumped into the water and he headed to shore. See, Peter's response wasn't like, oh man, I, like, I got too much baggage, I can't go back to God. Peter's response was like, in spite of all of my baggage, I'm going to go after God no matter what. And what some of us need to realize is that Jesus is right on the shore of our life, and no matter what storm or what tragedy that we're going through, if we can fix our eyes on him and go after him and go towards him, man, all those other things won't matter at all. The problem is that some of us aren't paying attention to where Jesus is in our life. It's kind of like the movie Forrest Gump. I'll, I'll never forget. There was a scene where, where Lieutenant Dan said to, to Forrest Gump, Gump, have you found Jesus yet? And Gump looked at him and said, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. And I think that's where some of us are, is that we're so in the midst of our problems that we don't even know we're supposed to be looking for Jesus. And if we just look to him and return to him, we'll find that his grace is sufficient for us and that his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. A couple years ago, I had a neighbor who, uh, who had a little four-year-old and he was teaching his daughter how to, how to ride a bike. And, and I love watching little kids learn. It's just so much fun because they're like sponges. They want to know why for everything. Like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? Why do, and, and so I would sit outside of my driveway. We were friends and, and he would, he had his daughter and they were on training wheels and he would run around with her and, and they took the training wheels off one day. And uh, that's always a big day because when his daughter would get on the bike, you know, it'd be pretty shaky and she'd be, even when she was standing with her feet on the ground, I mean, she was still like shaking. And, 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 and he would come up beside her and he'd grab the back of the seat and she would start riding and he would, he would walk with her as she was pedaling her bike, shaking, making sure that she didn't fall. And they would go up our street and back down our street and up our street and back down our street and up our street. I mean, this would go on for hours every afternoon. And the girl would keep checking back to make sure her father was there. And over a period of time, she just became confident that her dad was there and that she was safe and that she was secure. Until one day I was out there and he was running along with her and he finally let go of the bike. And she was riding. I watched that girl ride for a couple of years. Never once saw her come running in, crashing and burning. Never once saw her come in hurt from riding her bike. And I was talking to her dad one day and I, I said, 
like that was that was amazing watching you do that and he said yeah she never had anything to worry about because i was always holding her until she was ready to do it on her own see when we're weak that's where christ's power becomes sufficient for us it's where he steadies the aspects of our life that seem so unsteady and so unstable that he comes in and holds us there he doesn't just hold us there so that we can have a steady and easy life he comes there and he gives us a second chance and he he has us return to him so that then we can refocus on other people See, God doesn't just want us to have a good life. He wants us to to have a life that makes an impact for the good of others. And Jesus went out of his way to restore Peter. He went out of his way to make sure that Peter knew that he wasn't just there for relationship with him, but there was a bigger call to his life than just existing and knowing God. That's why he had a conversation with Peter, and he asked him multiple times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And the third time, and he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, not like, good job. Like, I'm glad you love me. He said, man, I need you to do something. I need you to feed my sheep. I need you to care for people. See, this is what I know about all of us. All of us have gone through some situations in life, whether it be a tragedy that's happened around us, whether it's been a failure in our own life, whether it's been some hurt that we've experienced, whether it's been some brokenness in a relationship, whether it's been a financial crisis. And because of those situations that we've gone through, we have a choice in those moments. We, we have a choice. We can become bitter because of those things. Where we've got an edge about us, where we've got this, we just kind of cut people because of what's happened to us. Or we become, become, can become better because of those things. The only difference between those two words is one letter. It's I. See, Jesus said, like, listen, Peter, this is what I need you to do. I need you to use the tests of your life to become a testimony to other people. I need you to use the messes of your life to be a message to other people. I need you not to become bitter because of what's going on in your life, but I need you to become better and help people. I need you to make a difference in other people's lives. And and what Jesus is saying is is that all that junk that you've gone through, like he didn't put you through all that junk just so you could have a wicked story. He put you through all that stuff so you could encourage somebody else who's going through the same junk that you went through before. My wife and I, we have a mantra in our home. We, We say that all the things that have happened to us in our life cannot be in vain. They're only in vain if God doesn't use them to encourage and build somebody else up. And that's only because we won't tell our story. What story is your life telling right now? 
your life telling a story of disappointment? Is your life telling a story of hurt? Is your life telling a story of pain? Is your life telling a story of victory? Is your life telling a story of redemption? Is your life telling a story of grace? You get to choose your story. Your story isn't chosen for you. You get to write your story. What story are you writing today? Maybe some of you guys have slacked off and become self-confident and you've edged God out or and others of you have maybe become lazy. Maybe some of you don't even know God here. Maybe today is the day that you need to realize that he's got a, a different option for you and that if you'll just return to him, he'll take all the things that you thought were the tragedies of your life and turn them into a triumph for his life. Let's pray. God, we just come before you today. And I know that we all walk in here with things going on in our lives. Some of us are battling some some pretty huge wars in our lives. It might be financial things. It might be emotional things. It might be a relational thing that's happening right now. And Man, it's just got you down and it's got you beat up. And what God is saying to you today is he's saying, man, I'm, this grace that I have, this love that I have, works best when you're in that moment. If you'll just recognize that I'm giving you another chance and you'll just return to me. Maybe today is the day that you need to return to him. Maybe today is the day that you need to recognize that he is right there, right beside you, just waiting for you to recognize him. We're going to get ready to sing a song called How He Loves. And as we're singing this song today, I'd love for you to reflect where you're at. And make a decision today. You can continue to stay a victim of your circumstances. Or you can be the victor by the one who changed every circumstance. By running after Jesus. You get to choose the declaration of your lips.